So up next on the You Ain't Nothing Yet podcast, we have a very talented individual has played all across the island of Ireland. For me, every single song is different. There's something unique. There's just something different coming at you all the time. <laughs> Little bits of nuggets here and there. I'm very, very pleased to have in front of me coming from a car, the girlfriend's car in Dundee. It is the wonderfully talented Bobby Arlo. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. How are you? You're looking fantastic. You know the way they say, oh my God, you're glowing. I don't know whether it's the light, but you're looking good. Like You're going to make my head fucking huge. <laughs> How are you going to ever get out of the car to all this evening? <laughs> I, I won't be able to fish. Tell you that. But I suppose for anybody that's listening that doesn't know you, who are you? What's your deal? My name is Bobby Arlo. I'm 25, unfortunately, old. <laughs> I'm a alt pop singer from Dublin, currently based in Scotland. I do music for a living and that's what I do. And, and do it very, very well. Thank but you. before I get into start trying to dissect your, your songs and such things, where did you, you know, realise in your head that you were a good singer, that you were an entertainer, that you could perform? Was it been dragged out? you know, in front of family members at Christmas time? Was it through school? Uh-huh. Was it through your mates? Was it through a relative? Uh-huh. I actually didn't really, to be honest with you, it's, I didn't really know I could sing up until recently. I was in drama school since I was a baby and uh, I used to like get mediocre parts. Like I'd never get like main parts or anything. Um, But I remember that was the first time I kind of sang and then my mom was like super supportive and encouraging and of course, at every family party, it was like, get out the guitar, get out, get out the bass and the drums. We're, we're <laughs> going to have a, a shindig here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like the roots of it. And then as I got older, I kind of get, I started getting like bigger parts. And then I decided, do you know what? I actually like this thing and things. So I'm going to try do it um, because I'm not academic at all and I don't like school. So the only thing I can do is sing. So I'll try to do that. Um, but yeah, so I did, I went to college and I studied musical theatre and I thought I was going to, I trained in that for a couple of years and then I really thought I was going to end up in musical theatre. I, you know, went all the way up until the move to London and then I chickened out, basically. I was just like, do you know what? This isn't for me. I don't think I want to do the whole sing and act and pretend to be someone else every night kind of a thing. Yeah. Because I, it confused me, to be honest. I felt like, I feel like I was always playing someone else and I really didn't have a clue who I was. And like who, what my personality was outside of music. So I just took a break for a little while. Um, but I still wanted to do music. So I kind of did back and singing for a while for a couple of like up and coming people in Ireland. That was the first time I kind of stood on stage and sang pop songs for the first, like, you know what I mean? That, that was the kind of my first introduction. I did that when I was like maybe 19 or 20. And then I was just basically plopped in front of the stage in the Grand Social in Dublin one night by an incredibly talented performer called Y-Axis. And he took me under his wing. Yeah, basically since then, I've just decided that music, pop music was my thing. I was accidentally discovered by my producer doing backing vocals on an album for something he was working on. And he was like, who are you? Why aren't you in music? Why can't you do this full time? And I was like, what? I don't know. I'll give it a go. I don't know. So I gave it a lash and then we created one of the first singles and put it out on my own. I didn't have management. I didn't know what PR was. I didn't know how to even put things on Spotify. I literally did everything from the start by myself. And then through that, my manager hopped on, the boys in my band hopped on, more producers came in. So like it was like all of a sudden I was like, right, I went from not being sure what I was doing with my life, just finished college to now being a pop singer. And it kind of went like that very quickly. Like I was being played on radio with the first single. I was like, 
it was just very mental. I, f- I felt it d- definitely feels like it was the universe saying, okay, this is where you're meant to be. Very, very honest answer. So thank you very much. And thank I, you. I, I suppose, you know, when you get those, I suppose, types of signs, and I think we all look for those signs. We all look for something to tell us to take the leap, mm-hmm. you know, to, to give mm-hmm. you that sort of direction, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Did anybody in your family that influenced you musically? Like when you were growing up, for example, was there anybody that influenced your sound now or you can still see, you know, you would go back and listen to an old album or anything? Yeah, I think my mom, my mom's a fantastic singer and she will she's be the first person to tell you that I'm living her dream. Um, <laughs> she kind of never did anything with music and it's right. a shame because she's yeah. always got the most amazing voice. And she kind of raised me on a lot of like Barbara Streisand and like all the oldie singers. Um, and then my dad listened to a lot of like the Smiths and George Michael, who I still love to this very day. Like George Michael's the man. So yeah, I, I had a very eclectic taste of music. And then a lot of people in my family were very musical. My big cousin was the drummer in the Hot Sprockets, which is like a very successful Irish band. So I grew up listening to him play drums and kind of doing like indie rock and rock music and stuff. So I, I've always been subjected to a, a lot of different styles. And I think that's why I can't pick a style and stay in it. Like I'm always just making music that I like at the time. And it doesn't have a set genre or you know, you can't pin it down. So I just I just umbrella it under alt pop because it's just easier that way. Well, your music is definitely very eclectic. But, you know, mm. I I find that when people are being creative in any, in any sphere, that they take mm-hmm. where they're from, whether, and we as Irish people have a mm-hmm. very strong heritage when it comes to music mm-hmm. and when it comes to culture. Um, mm-hmm. I was reading a recent interview that uh, Annie Mack done with the lead singer of Fontaine's DC and obviously Christy Digg mm-hmm. of course passed very recently mm-hmm. uh, you know all dubs for you like you know from where you, you're from originally in Dublin does that have an influence on your music at all? 100% I think some of the best musicians in the world came from Dublin mm. um, in Ireland in general um, like my dad's older brother was really good friends with um, Phil Linnett so you know, Tin Lizzy was always playing in our house and I still think to this day they're probably one of the best Irish bands to ever do it. So I think like I've always been consumed with Irish talent and that does rub off on you. I think they're it's a very unique sound to be Irish and rock Irish and pop Irish and whatever. Um, and like it's only now starting to come out and be mainstream. I think there's a lot of people sitting underneath that we haven't even heard of yet. You know, people who blew up in the last year or two like Brick Nasty. Now they're worldwide pretty much um and he's just from Ballymun do you know what I mean yeah. he's just he's just the young fella that's started off like me just took a chance on something and he's an incredible talented person and that band are just amazing and they were sitting under people's noses for years before anyone noticed them so like it's it's all about putting Irish talent on a platform and and yeah it's very inspiring to be in the industry especially in the Irish Irish music industry at the minute it's 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 hard not to be influenced by the people that you're seeing come up and you know are there already like Erica Cody and Lyra and the people before us who are who are really really successful the script god I could go on I could go on like yeah. people everyone everyone that puts their foot in music has an impact in Ireland and um it's it's all about like learning from each other I think that's the most beautiful thing about being in the community and then tell me can you remember your first gig can you remember your first time not even I suppose you know in terms of the musical theatre but when you realised that mm-hmm. you wanted to pursue music as a career as mm-hmm. Bobby Arlo as this mm-hmm. entity uh, you know ca- mm-hmm. have, can you remember the first time you were on stage was it a pleasant experience was it scary 
Yeah, I think the first time that I realized, shit, this actually is a real thing now, was I played Whelan's once to watch in like 2018, I think it was. Maybe 2019. I think Great venue for a gig. Yeah, first every time on like stage singing my own songs, like very just like had been in like a couple of rehearsals before that, like had never played with a band before live. Like it was all very new. Mm. Um, and I was like, I played a really late spot. Um, which was go- which was good news. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. A, I didn't know slots were a good thing, or if you got a late slot, that was a good thing. I just thought being on the stage is a good thing, you know. Yeah. Um, so I got a late slot, and I played upstairs, which is like a hundred and something cap, mm. and it was packed out. It was late packed, time. and it was it was people. It was people all around the bar. Like they, they had to close off the front door because there was too many people coming in, and my mom was out, out came in late and and couldn't get in, so. She missed the whole set. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just remember getting off stage that night and I was going through Twitter and I like seen my name pop up in in tags. And I was like, what is this? And it was just videos and videos and videos of being like, who is this new girl, new girl on the scene, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, everything that I do is going to be online now. And I think that was a very like real moment that I was like, right, I've put my foot in it now this is this is do or die like I have to go for it and it was so scary I remember being so pumped up by people's energy because everyone was just loving the live music and loving the band and and obviously they liked the tunes as well which is very important but um it was just it was just like energy that I've never felt before because obviously doing musical theatre and stuff people sitting and listening quietly there's no reaction or no buzz off the audience which is different to pop music it was like people were head banging nodding jumping up screaming being like way so it was a very different experience and it was just it was like crack it was like okay when can I do that again <laughs> what like get me on a stage and I just remember I was in a very uncomfortable outfit I was I was a lot bigger than I was uh, that I am now and um, I was carrying a bit of weight from those happy in love days and uh <laughs> yeah and I remember being vividly I vividly remember being out of breath the entire <laughs> performance and I couldn't sing the songs because I was so jumping up and down yeah, and, and yeah. buzzing everyone that I lost my breath so I just put the mic in to the audience I was like sing no one knew the words but I was like pop off look like a superstar let's let's go from that angle um but yeah it was it was a very it's a very fond memory to look back on and, and uh yeah it's a, it has a special place in my heart for sure Happy days. That's it, that's very wholesome. Do you know what I mean? That's like yeah. a that's like an audio hug. That little that yeah. there. So let's let's get stuck into what you put out. Berries. Yeah. I loved it because there's a line in it. Oh no, it's gonna rack my head that I can't remember the exact line. But it's about it's it's about being ripe or something, or about you know the relationship co- you know coming to fruition or uh-huh. something. Like that. Uh-huh. And you have a great way with words, you know, uh-huh. um, and a great turn Thank of you. phrase. Where did this first, I suppose, well, the first release I know of anyway, where did it come from? Yeah. Do you know what? It's a funny question because I actually don't know. Like every time I write something, I'm like, how did I do that? <laughs> I was only talking about this the other day. I was like, how did I write that? Like, where did that come from my brain? Do you know what I mean? I'm severely dyslexic. So words don't come to me easily. Do you know what I mean? But mm. sometimes they just come out and I, they make sense. And I feel like when they make sense in my head, it's good enough to write down and to become a song. But like Barry specifically was like, we were messing around. So Yax is the guy that I was doing back and singing for at the time. He was, he's a producer and he was kind of had me under his wing and he was kind of guiding me towards releasing my own stuff. And we kind of, we went out to a party and um, the night before I woke up and we were both so hungover. <laughs> and he was like, why don't we just make, 
a, a like a random funny song and I was like yeah I want to write a song about berries that's really funny like and he was like okay that's not funny but like let's do that well, and it was yeah and it was demoed and um then that sat away for maybe a year or two and when Adam my producer who's still my producer now found me he was like do you have any demos and I was like uh like what's a demo like and he was like it's basically just like rough work stuff that you've worked on I was like well yeah kind of and I sent him a list of ones that I worked because I used to make beats on my phone um, okay. through garage bands yeah so I sent him all of them and he was like all of these are workable 100% so we basically went into the studio it was my first time ever writing in a studio or ever being in a studio like properly by myself and he was like this chorus is so catchy we need to build around that he was like is it actually about berries and I said yeah he goes I think you should make it more substantial and I was like yeah he was like it sounds like sexy like you should lean into the sexual side of it and I was like oh my god I was so embarrassed I was like no I can't like I couldn't do that I couldn't possibly do that um but I did and then I made it into like a relationship thing like a bit of a chase um and it kind of worked and that's how it came about but it was it's it's one of those things where I'm like I don't know how that happened or where it came from do you know what I mean yeah fair play and then we move on to breathe and a lot of your as I said at the start I would say you know as you say alt pop or, or alternative or whatever mm-hmm. it's very eclectic you, you there's a lot mm-hmm. of different sounds coming at you <laughs> what about breathe so tell me about it um do you know what it's it, the way I work makes a lot of sense as to why the music comes out different every time. I just, if I like a sound, if I like the beat or if I like something, I'll just write over it. So I'm not going to be like, oh, it has to be sound. It has to sound like this because that's my brand or it has to. I'm just like, nah, if it inspires me to write, if words come to my head because the beat is inspiring me, I'll just write on it. Mm. So Breathe was one of those things where I was working with um my band at the time and Alex O'Keefe, who is my who is my other producer, I work with two producers all the time. Um, he like wasn't even in producing yet, and now he's like one of the biggest producers in Ireland, probably if not bigger. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he sent me like a, a guitar, um, like loop thing, and I was like, no, this is so cool. Like, you need to like expand this, and we maybe we could write together. Um, and he was like, oh, I've never really done that before. Like, yeah, let's give it a go. And we basically broke lockdown rules and went into Adam's studio and from a social distance made this song. <laughs> yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, it was just about frustration. It was like, it was all of us were fed up about being in mm. lockdown. And I was obviously locked away in the hills because I lived in Blessington at the time. Yeah, I could, um, I, could, I could get, sorry to cross you, but I could definitely get this. I suppose I said that we were all feeling it, the claustrophobia. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. In, in a big way and I think it was like so easy to write because it was just like what was on the forefront of my brain it was just like go and go and go so it was written in like 20 minutes like we had it the song there in 20 minutes and then we recorded it in a day maybe six hours six seven hours and we just put it out no back and behind it no nothing and it seemed to kind of take off we did a cute little music video for it as well which still makes me smile every time I see it um, it's like all of my, you know, loved ones, my friends, people that liked my music made a tiny impact on that music video. And every time I watch it, I'm like, well, there's so many people around me that care about my project and and care enough to to get involved in it. So it's it's one of those another one of those heartwarming things to watch for sure. Do you know the people like I've interviewed quite a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. not just people who are singers, singer songwriters, bands, but sometimes I feel that 
I I can I can see, and not not that I'm any type of industry expert or anything, but I can see sometimes that people know that they're good enough at singing and just want the fame. And then I mm-hmm. know that there's other people who 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 are good and who are lyrically very brilliant. And you know, there's there's mm-hmm. the love of it as well as that. Do you mm-hmm. think that you were saying about, you know, there's the people backing you and such things. Do you think that has an impact, you know, when you see there's a friend or a family member who, you know, like you, you, you I like I write stuff, okay? And I or write jokes <laughs> or I would write, do stuff and I could send it to people and sometimes yeah. people don't reply and maybe one person will and you really feel when that person comes back and gives you real critical points mm-hmm. and like, fuck that person mm-hmm. actually cares. Does that, mm-hmm. does that meaning to you? Are you doing the music for yourself? Are you doing it for somebody else? Is it, is it a mixture of both? I am... Um... I think it's a bit of both. I think I always lead with what I want personally. Um, like I'm the one that calls the shots and if people don't like it, like that's yeah. your opinion. Do you know what I mean? On your back. Where, but, yeah, but I do very much value people's opinion and it can sway me a lot of the time. And I think that's why I had a big identity crisis after Feel It. Um, and I didn't release music for a long time because I was listening to too many people's opinions and kind of like lost my way a bit. So I think in the last year, I've definitely found a balance between listening to myself and listening to my gut and listening to what other people's perspective of my art is. Mm. Um, and like trying to find that balance is very difficult. And I don't think I'll ever find the um, like the key to it or like how to actively understand it. But mm. it's definitely go with your own gut. And I, I think like people's opinions are, are valid and they can absolutely help and guide you and they can stop you from doing silly things. They can, they can, you know, potentially get you to a higher place or a more successful single. But ultimately, if you're not doing art for you and it doesn't make you happy, then you're in the wrong spot. And if you can sit back and and listen to your own stuff or read your own stuff or whatever it is that you do, paint your own stuff, if you can look back and go, wow, I've surpassed my own expectations of what that could be then you're absolutely in the right place. And it doesn't matter if two people listen to it or look at it or a billion people do. It doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Because like you are making your own legacy and like listening to yourself steers away from being generic and so many things in the world and in the industry and arts in general is is generic and just the same, the same, the same. Mm -hmm. There's only four chords. There's only so many colors you can paint with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's what you can do to make you different and no one no one is what you are. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can be similar to people, but no one has what you have in you to create. So if you listen to your own goal, I guarantee you most of the time it won't spray. Most of the time it won't steer you wrong. But even if it does, you've learned from it. Do you know what I mean? For anybody listening, that is top notch advice. That is fucking top notch <laughs> advice. I love it. Was feel it your 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 breakout big tune. I think it's the first tune I heard. Yeah. Um and yeah. it was the one that I heard repeated on like I like I would love to be in radio as a full time career, and I'm mm-hmm. getting there, scraping, scraping, scraping. You should. Oh, I'm trying. Believe me, I'm fucking trying. It's a hard I, game. I can so I can so see you on the big leagues. You have a voice for it. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I and a face for radio too. Very yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, and I heard it on on loads of different stations. I listened. I tried to listen to everything and, and yeah. gather knowledge from everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. how how was that? I mean that like that was a real rocket moment I suppose yeah yeah. it was absolutely some of the best and worst times in my young adult life I think mm-hmm. um, I don't think no one no one has a real book of how to handle stuff like that Yeah, and like how to handle 
like I by no means was massive I wasn't a massive artist I didn't like go through the roof and like I was I have you know I wasn't TikTok famous around but I was recognized in Ireland yeah. as an artist mm-hmm. and people respected me or didn't respect me or do you know what I mean? So I, I, whatever it was, I was I was on people's radars from then on out, like actually in their faces. My song was playing constantly, like the radio stations all r- rallied together and played it nonstop. It was the first time that I made regular income for a couple months, like off music. Um, and it really like it got it got to my head. I got a bit like I got very. Uh, what's the word? I suppose you could say big headed for a little while I was like I'm like I'm the shit like every song that I release I could I could release shit and people are gonna listen to it because I'm this person and I've had this success and all I got nominated for a song of the year I didn't win it but I got nominated and for someone who like did nothing with their life and then all of a sudden was this on this platform with Jeremy Kennedy and Horan being like your song is as good as theirs to be nominated it was like it was it was such a responsibility and such a um it, it just blew up it, mm-hmm. there's no other way to describe it it was just like a moment of like okay you are exactly who you always thought you were so work off it okay. whereas when the fame fame stopped and it kind of fell off a bit yep. the crash back down to reality was mm-hmm. so devastating mm-hmm. and like devastating in ways I didn't think I couldn't even foresee what was going to happen or how it was going to mentally affect me okay. um and yeah, it, it really stunted my creativity. It stunted my expectations for myself. My confidence was hit badly. Do you know what I mean? Like getting no's and yeses. I, I was getting so many yeses up until that point, And then I started getting no's and I had never got a no before. Yeah. And the yeah. no really messed with my brain. So yeah, it was just, it was, it was a young person going through being perceived for the first time mm-hmm. at, at a much higher rate than any normal 20, 21 year old would have been seen with a lot of pressure behind her for what was expected of her from other people and what was the next move and what was you know how can you possibly top this and then when people were like how can you top this I was like how can I top this and I was I was graveling all the time trying to make the same tunes over and over again that was just a little bit better a little bit whatever but the reality of it is it was a, a great song I still listen to it I still say, do you know what? That's an absolute banger. But like, you don't have to repeat that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Nothing, no, there's no reason for it. And do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's what happens with a lot of like, especially Irish radio and Irish acts. They they get a taste of fame and then they just keep releasing the same stuff because the Irish radio love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I knew myself that I had more creativity in me and I wanted to expand. So the battle between just growing up and mm. dealing with the pressures from everyone else around me, myself, and then what everyone else expected from me and everything everything that I expected from myself, as well as not really sure what my creativity point was in music because I didn't really have a sound. I didn't know what I was. Yeah. I didn't know how I wanted to present myself as, a, as an artist. I didn't know what my look was, what my sound was, what I was capable of singing. I was learning all this within this bubble. And when it popped, I can't even describe how difficult it was. Mm. It was just awful. Um, but I'm at the other side of it now. And I think I'm 25 now. I've I've got a couple of years behind me. Um, I obviously released a, my last single, Junie, 
that is quite a, a different vibe. Um, mm. But I think that's just because I'm listening to myself now, which if I've learned nothing but that, listen to my own gut, then mm. all of the shit that I went through in the past couple of years, all the difficultness, the creative stunts, the everything, all of that would be worth that one lesson. And what it, so? What about Junie? Like you were saying that you know you're, you're very much listening to yourself, and you know you're you're probably like a you're the same person but a different person from that mm-hmm. from that time that we've just discussed. Mm-hmm. I feel it was 2021. We're now in 2023, mm-hmm. and you've just released Junie. Mm-hmm. I suppose how does that re- relate to you as the here and now, and what was the sort of feelings behind that song? Um. So. Up until we made Junie, I was still trying to force a narrative of like a sound that I was trying to be mm. um, and what I wanted to become. Because I knew that if I kept going the route of feel it, I would still be successful in Ireland and mm. I'd still, you know, gain a platform and, you know, I could get support slots or whatever. But I just didn't align with who I was anymore. And yeah. I didn't align with what I thought I could do. So I just one day said to my producer Alex we booked a pirate in Dublin and I just said let's just go in I'll tell you what sounds that I like what I don't like and we accidentally came out with this like hyper pop alt pop song and it was the first time in months where I felt like that's it and I was like I don't care if anyone says they don't like it I don't care if people you know don't get the same vibe off as I do I had that fire in my stomach that I was like for me that was my next step that was my return and that was the return that I was looking for that was the impact that I was looking for so I had a lot of pushback we we mm. didn't release it for ages because there was a lot of people like don't do it don't like don't do this like don't people aren't gonna get that style you have a lot of younger fans they won't like this style you've got you know you've got the radio on your side but the radio won't love it like don't put PR behind this because you'd be pissing money away um you know what I mean if you're gonna do it you're doing it off your own back kind of a thing okay and I was just like fuck it what's the worst that can happen it's either I it's either I stay here and I and I don't have a career because I don't release music because I can't Mm. find a song to release or I take the risk I really I release it and I could either still have a career of somewhat and it would be a different one and a a different narrative of what I thought it was going to be or I just give up music and I and I really was very close to giving up music and I was like you know what this is my last chance uh saying here's what I have if you don't like it that's cool but this is what I am and uh I was so relieved when it went well oh my god I was so relieved for a play I mean again thank you for being so honest you know um when we put pressure on ourselves as an own individual that's enough pressure and we're probably our own you know Harshest critics, but when you have mm-hmm. this fucking deluge of people coming behind you, who mm-hmm. you know are are old hands, perhaps at at, mm-hmm. at at the type of thing that you want to get into, mm-hmm. and it, it turns out that you're like you know you just know who to listen. Then people are coming at you. So mm-hmm. again, thank you very very much for sharing that. But yes. we're nearing the end. I want to ask you: you've gigged at a lot of festivals. You've done a lot of mm-hmm. um, you know in legendary places. Is there a favorite mm-hmm. gig that stands out? Do you know what? I was only thinking about this the other day because I haven't gigged in a while. So I was I was looking back on my memories on Instagram being like, geez, I can't wait to be on stage again. Mm. But um, basically, I think out of every gig that I've done, my favorite gig to date is what is Irish Music Week last year. Right. And um, we played the Cellar Workmans and it was packed great, out. Great venue, great and, venue. 
amazing and it was the first there it's only a hundred cap or something like that very small venue yeah it is um but it was packed out and there was every single person in that room was singing back my songs every single person there was there was and not even just one song or two songs every Mm. song that I played in that set I could put the mic out and they sang back to me and it was the first time I don't know whether it was because I was closer to them because obviously it's a smaller venue was the first time like I was really impacted by an audience response it felt like the first time I played that that similar vibe whereas Mm. I was just kind of going through the rotations of playing so many gigs like we had done we played every festival that I saw and we went to Primavera we played two weekends in Primavera like it was constantly just we'll go here we'll go here we'll do this we'll do this and it, I didn't get a chance I was so overwhelmed by it and mm. I was just kind of on autopilot mode and mm. um, I was just like overworked and I felt like I wasn't improving I wasn't going anywhere my set wasn't changing because I didn't have time to change it I was tired of playing the same stuff over and over again and when I played that gig it was it was after a very long stint of being like I don't want to play live anymore I don't think it's for me I was sick of playing rooms where there'd be 2,000 people buzzing about it and then I'd play to a room of six people or one person it happened to me where I played a festival in in was it Donegal or something and there was two people in the tent and I was like this is just I'm not a strong enough person to be carrying on a performance to two people who don't really care about anything that I do Mm. or care about my presence on the stage I was just there Mm. and uh it messed with me and then when I did that um Irish Music Week gig I was like nah this is why I do it and this is why I want to do it and it was it was it was so overwhelming that I burst into tears on the stage I was so embarrassing Ah, but um yeah yeah, but it was just one of those moments I think it's one of those things that I'll never forget like I played massive venues I played thousands of gigs and that small tiny gig was probably my favorite ever Mm. Mm. That, that 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 again so heartwarming that you know what I mean it really, yeah. really is you know yeah uh, we we are we are drawn ever closer to the time where I have to love you and leave you um uh, but yes. we're gonna do the quick fire round um mm-hmm. I give the same questions and if I can remember them all I mean I've been giving the same questions mm-hmm. to I don't know how many fucking people now and I, I, you know. but first question if you were a drink alcohol or otherwise what would you be people say that I'm a pint of Guinness why because people pretend to like me. So, so what somebody said yeah, jack you're you're a pint of guinness and i was like oh you know you know the the, the go-to the, the the standard the one i'm like no jack you're you're because people pretend to like you in the media and i was like fucking dick but, oh yeah. god that's awful uh, i seen the funny say stuff. that now now also talking bad on my favorite drink as well so not whoever said that to you i'll be roughing them up now i love a pint of guinness <laughs> I'll send, I'll send you, I'll send you that. Send, yeah, send, send me their, send me their, I'll bark at them. <laughs> Deadly. Do you, do you have a drink that you would? Qu- that I would be like, I would name myself like, after. Yeah, like if you, like... yeah, if you were a drink. Yeah, yeah. You can't say your favorite if you want, if you can't think of one, like, you know. I feel like have... this is actually like, I feel like this is actually like potentially a very deep question. Oh, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do you know what? I would give myself a blood orange gin, right? And this is why, because people who drink gin think they're fancy, but they're actually not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it, it gets you pissed, so it's always a good time when you drink gin. Mm. But it can also be a violent drink for some people and turn people absolutely oh, just yeah. weaponized. Yeah, yeah. So that's the two fiery sides of me, I think. Um, But genuinely a good time. Okay, I love it, I love it. Mm-hmm. If you had a superpower, what would it be and what would you do with it? Oh. 
Oh, these questions are so hard. Um, superpower, superpower. I read people. Do you know what? As someone who has severe anxiety, severe anxiety, right. I would read people's minds, and I know that would be the worst probably thing that you could have when you have anxiety. But at least you would know what people are thinking, so you yeah. could you yeah. could kind of do you know what I mean work your way through it. Okay, you're royally hungover. You're thinking to yourself, yeah. "What the fuck did I do last night? Oh my god! Yeah. What yeah. what's your go to? Is it is it a you know an orange lugazid? Is it a big dirty Chinese? Is it um you know your mum's Sunday dinner? Is it something random like fucking Brussels sprouts? Is it you know McCoy salt and vinegar? What's what's your go to hangover hangover cure? Are we talking like severe hangover where you're eight where you're like thrown up and like not able to consume anything or are we talking about hungover that like, you can kind of nearly do it ah your feed the feed you want like do you know what i mean what what you end up sort of maybe eating half of now and half a later or you end up nibbling on or do you know what chicken selects from mcdonald's to be honest <laughs> good shot i like it chicken what? selects anything chi- anything fried chicken do you mm. know what I mean yeah yeah i love it mm. i love it i love it um you can go on a date with anybody living or dead who would it be what would you do Lawrence Pugh some, somebody else said Florence Pugh to me recently. And what would and what would I do? Ryder, <laughs> Roy the lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. She's Final question. I have a magic. <laughs> what is Ezra? She's my favorite person. I absolutely adore that girl. She's she's the only person that my girlfriend will give me a pass for. <laughs> Take that pass. Don't let it go. You never know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have a magic ball in front of me. You yeah. can play in any venue in the world you can be supporting somebody you can be headlining you can be hmm. just randomly been called up on stage to give us a rendition of raglan road for toxic it can be anything <laughs> what would it be okay what like what what song would i do yeah, no, no no like like where would like i have a magic ball and i can transport you to anywhere and you're allowed to do whatever gig you want it can be madison square garden it could be down your local it could be whelan's it could be croke park you know it could be any jesus um, good question. My God, do you know what I would like? This sounds generic, but I think as an Irish person, it just feels like one of the biggest things you can do. I would love to play the Tree Arena, and I'd love to support like the weekend or something. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I think Fair. that would be like the most mental thing. Like I'm going, to, I'm coming home. Uh, is it this weekend or next weekend? I don't know. But uh, the weekend's playing in Ireland. Um, and I got tickets for it and Kate Renata is supporting them and I'm actually going to lose my mind. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Right. For anybody that's listening, tell them where they can find you on socials. Um, Is there any upcoming gigs? Have you got anything in the pipeline in terms of singles or new EPs when they might be coming out? Anything at all? <laughs> Self-promotion. You've got the, the, the limelight or the floor is now yours. Okay. Hi, guys. You can find me on social media everywhere at Bobby underscore Arlo. And that's B-B-O. Oh, sorry, I just spelled my own name wrong. Slay. <laughs> it's B-O-B-B-I with an I, not a Y. It's dash A or L-O. Because um, a lot of people think my name is Bobby with a Y. It's just not that at all. But anyways, that's where you can find me. And as far as new singles, yes, there's absolutely new singles coming and very, very soon. But I can't say anything about it yet. Um, and there's also very exciting things happening that I also can't talk about. But um, just stay tuned to my socials and, and you might get sneak peeks here and there because I'm awful for uh, sneak peek and things. Oh, OK, OK, OK. Because I did have one final question was in my head. Do you work for MI5? <laughs> With all these secrets. <laughs> you know what? 
I could. I could, like. <laughs> Secret agent over here? <laughs> you know what? I'd actually like to be one of them. So maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I will. will. Maybe, maybe I do work for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe you just don't know. <laughs> Reverse psychology. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, look, Bobby Arno, thank you very, very much. Thank you so much for having me.